Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer showing all the way up, for better or for worse, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole. Stop begging for a promotion, start selling your genius, and saying it like it is, even if it shouldn't be, Heather MacArthur. Thank you. Thank you very much. Saying it like it is, even if it shouldn't be. Yeah, even if it shouldn't be, which is basically (laughs) my career history. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's what people love me for and and why they don't invite me back sometimes, I think. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. We're walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement. Most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. So this episode, if you haven't uh, picked up on it, is we are talking about authenticity. Say it with me. (laughs) I got all my sisters with me. (laughs) Be authentic. Be be authentic. I was never a cheerleader. Uh, Yeah, if we start spelling authenticity, I'm going to be lost. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if that was a requirement, (laughs) we'd have A better society as a whole. (laughs) Um, I am so excited that we're talking about authenticity because this is something that, uh, to be authentic, keeps coming up for me again and again. And I know uh, is kind of a lightning rod issue for people in their workplace right now. Um, What does authenticity mean and look like? How are we defining this right off the bat? Well, I'm glad you asked, Katie. Um, I have, uh, I actually looked up a couple of definitions and then I have one of my own because, you know, Mm. that's how I roll. Um, (laughs) But if you, if you Google authenticity, as I did, and um, go off of just what shows up, authenticity is about congruence between our deeper values and beliefs, i.e. a true self and our actions. When there is a lack of congruence, this leads to an emotional force that seeks reduction. Now, I didn't know what the hell any of that meant. Oof, it sounds intense. <laughs> <laughs> Let me t- dig deeper. Then it said, authentic, worthy of acceptance or belief as conforming to it or based on fact, paints an authentic picture of our society. Once again, didn't know what the hell that meant. So then I went to, well, let me let me look at it from a um, psychology today because, you know, that tells me everything. And they had the seven qualities of authentic people and these were the seven qualities which i thought were way easier to understand and and relevant have realistic perceptions of reality which what's fascinating about that is how do you know because it's Hmm. perception um are accepting of themselves and of other people like i feel like the description is a little bit more about how to be a nice person Hmm. um have a non-hostile sense of humor are able to express their emotions freely and clearly. That's the first time that I feel like that has something to do with being authentic. Are open to learning from their mistakes, understands their motivations. I really only heard one thing that I think goes authenticity. The way I see authenticity, and I, I and I, I think about it in the place of the of of the workplace, but I think it, it applies anywhere. Is how do you show up in a way that's true to you? That's really how I capture it. How do you show up in a way that's true to you? And the way that I, I see that popping up when I'm coaching people, and I've even had to learn this when I say, like, I say it, I say it like it is, even if it shouldn't be. Uh, it's a little bit of a joke because early in my career, I thought as long as I was speaking the truth 
and that that truth was about making things better, that it didn't matter if it was off-putting to other people. And I think to a certain extent, I, you know, died on the sword of truth so often, I didn't realize, but I was also, who was I helping? Because I was offending people or calling them out and, and putting them on the spot. And it's not like they went like, oh, I'm really hearing what you have to say. And so I think to be effective with your authenticity is one thing, but authentic is you're being true to yourself. That, that to me is, that's the end of it. Yes, you have to know who you are to know if you're being true to yourself. But I think that's what sometimes people struggle with. And in what I see sometimes in my coaching is we're so taught to be professional and we're taught to be certain ways. And so people show up in the workplace and go, well, this is how I'm supposed to dress and act to make an impression. And they may not have taken the time to know who they are. So they don't even know how to be authentic because they haven't spent time with themselves really understanding it. So I think that's, that's the two struggles I see is, you know, do you know who you are? Do you know how to kind of have that show up? And then on the other side, can you package your authenticity in a way so people are actually willing to hear it and sit with it and do something with it? Um, but, you know, it starts with, do you know who you are? I have a uh, devil's advocate question about authenticity yes, right off the bat. Please. Um, so you described a situation in which people who really haven't sat necessarily with their authenticity or with their, their true selves to figure out how exactly they want to and, uh, and mean to show up play a role based on patterns that they've already noticed or things that they've heard mentioned. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. You should dress this way. You should be doing and saying these things. What's the downside to that, to just playing the role? What is that? What does that frustrate in a career environment? Well, honestly, it was an, a genius survival strategy when conformity was what people hired for. So, you know, we've talked about before that, you know, back in the day, factory system or, you know, before really technology took off, it was this idea of you show up, you do what's being asked of you, you are on good behavior, you listen to your superior, so to speak, and you obey well. And that's what got you promoted and that's what got you moved up because they were replicating something over and over and over again. They wanted to see that you could conform and replicate it. And with technology, it kind of blew things up and it's created of innovation, agility, and before it was only the CEO needs to have a vision. And now everybody has to have a vision because things happen so rapidly. So when, when all you do is conform, you know, there's, there's room for that. But the downside is one, you could find yourself conforming to things that later you regret conforming to. That's the, that's the scary part. The other side that's not so scary is just kind of the simplistic part of it is people don't see you as somebody who impacts anything. So they don't, really think of you as a leader. They don't think of you as somebody. I see a lot of people who are in um, in a position in their job and they're seen as described as, well, they're really good at being tactical. What they, what they mean by that is you come in and you deliver on what other people want done. But then in the same vein, they'll say, but they don't really have their own viewpoint. And to me, that's a little bit around the authenticity is, do you know who you are? Do you know what you think about things? Can you, can you share your opinion on something, even if you're not the one in charge? And where I see people struggle is allowing themselves to have that viewpoint regardless of what title they have. Because we've been taught to conform until you get a certain executive title. And then all of a sudden, supposedly, you're magically going to start having these really kind of diverse viewpoints and unique look on, look on the world. And you've been stifling that your entire life. It, it doesn't happen like that. It's, not, it's, it's a muscle. You have to 
you have to feed it and it has to be encouraged. I get that. So we're talking a little bit about authenticity being an empower a self-empowerment move as well. You need to make sure that you are giving yourself the space to really figure out what you think and uh, feel and believe. What are the motivations that uh, that you're acting on? No matter what your role, you may not be a people manager role. You may not be a high level strategic role. You still have to have a viewpoint. You still have to show up true to you. Yeah, I mean, the fifth matter is, is my I, I I remember having a a viewpoint on things, you know, at an early age, and on that it wasn't necessarily um, encouraged, but even even at fourteen, working in a fast food restaurant, I had a viewpoint as to how how that business should run or what you know what customers how they how we should engage with things and i i think the more it was encouraged by people the more i knew how to shape it in a healthy way and when you, when asked like well well why why do you think that's important or what do you think about this they have nothing in their brain to tap into because they haven't formed those thoughts they haven't spent time with that or you have someone who is very reactive to their own emotions and so to them they're being authentic because they're they're reacting to the emotional impulse that they have where it's like, I'm angry, so I'm going to yell. But if you even ask them, like, what made you angry? They don't have a viewpoint on that. So to me, that's not as authentic as it is. Just you're just you're reactive and you're loud about it. But if you don't if you can't sit with the why and also authentic, I don't think is reactive. I think I think being conscious about what you want to do and choosing to express yourself, that's where that authenticity authenticity comes from. I think sometimes people mistake it for just saying what's on my mind. And like, but if you don't know what's on your mind and you're just spouting out whatever thought comes up, then, you know, that's just verbal vomit. That's not necessarily authenticity. So I love this. There, uh, I actually was uh, in a facilitation session earlier this past week where this came up in a specific way where we were talking about the, the topic was actually being open and honest. How do we contribute to an open and honest working climate? The comment came up, well, what is, uh, what is the benefit of being brutally honest? We've all heard people describe themselves as brutally honest. These are also frequently the same people that tend to yell when they're mad or mm. you know have one of those yep. rather impulsive episodes and a, a participant in the group uh in the uh, in the session brought up a fantastic point which was well your intention uh has a lot to do with the way the point is made if your intention is just to vent or to let everybody in the room know that you are mad or to hurt somebody's feelings that intention comes through and colors whatever the message is even if it is a message that needs to be heard an authentic message that needs to resonate the way you bring that forward and really i mean this sounds a little ooey gooey but the feeling in your heart that do i want to hurt this person am i thinking about whether this is uh, whether this is productive whether this is harmful, it's the way I'm saying this, the best approach can lead to authenticity too. That's being strategically authentic, right? Well, I mean, honestly, it, it still isn't authentic unless you know why you want to be, I go back to the why, like, do you know, and are you consciously choosing the why? And this whole thing about brutally honest, first of all, honesty doesn't have to be brutal. The brutal part comes from you're judging people and you you're you've decided to make a, a you're making a decision as to what action to take. So my thing is is if you go back to the way the brain works is it sees something, 
it sees, hears, whatever, your senses pick up something, and that's what you're experiencing. So you experience something, and then there's the space between what you experience and your explanation as to what you just experienced. And it's that space is where we make up our story. And if you don't know what stories you're making up, then you've got really kind of these explanations and you can share your explanations and go like, well, because he's a jerk and because that's just unacceptable. But if you can't reflect back on that was the experience and this is the story I crafted about it, then your explanations are what I call the vomit. You don't know where they come from. You don't know where they're sourced. You can point to the experience and go, it's because he slammed the door, but you don't know why you think that warrants brutal honesty. You don't have the story behind it. If your story is someone who slams the door is physically threatening you, then you go, well, then I'm going to stand up for myself. Well, then if you can sit back and go, do I like that story? Do I want to stick with people who slam the door are out to hurt you? Does that work in my favor? And if it does, then I'm going to keep choosing the action of stand up for myself. So, yeah, so if I'm being perceived as difficult to work with in the workplace because of my reaction to the slam door, then I go back to my story. And if my story was people who slam the door are, you know, dangerous and it's not working for me, then I can go, well, maybe I need to change the story. Maybe the story is I'm, I'm seeing that they're not dangerous. Nothing bad really happens out of it. But I'm going to hold to the story that I don't like it. I, I find it, it aggressive in a way that's unnecessary, but it's not dangerous. Now, what's my decision? Maybe I, I let them know, hey. I don't, I don't want Doris slammed, but that's very different than being brutally honest and going, I'm going to stand up for myself. I don't have anything to stand up for. I'm just going to let them know what I, my preferences are. And maybe that works better for me. But that space between experience and explanation, that space right there is actually where authenticity sits. It sits in the stories that we choose. And when someone doesn't know what they saw and what story they're creating out of it, they don't know what their authentic view is, but everyone does it. So everyone has authenticity. Everyone has this viewpoint on things and a story about how they exist in the world and what things mean to them. But your brain moves so fast. And if you don't slow down and reflect and get acquainted and go, let me examine that. Let me reflect what, not just what happened and what that mean to me, but why does that mean that to me? then you wouldn't be able to really show up and, and be yourself and be in tune with what are my values, what are my beliefs, and, and, and let me choose those. Because if not, I'm just programmed by other people. So if, if you know, this, I saw this a lot in the military because I joined so much later in, you know, not tons later, but in, I joined when I was 20. And I had already lived on my own since I was 17. So I had three years of kind of so-called adulthood. And what I saw is the, the people who were brought in who, and this is mainly who the military recruits for because they want people who are easily moldable, moldable because you have to follow direction and whatnot. And people like me are not always the easiest to have in the truth. <laughs> they don't want the questioning leadership and that type of thing um, for, for, for good reasons and sometimes not the brightest reasons. But anyways, what I saw was, is there was a lot of people who didn't question. They got trained and we got programmed for things and they just immediately went along with it. Well, no, this is the way that it is. And I had this very questioning mind, but I had spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time on my own. I spent a lot of time by myself. And so, you know, maybe I'm neurotic, but I spent a lot of time examining my thoughts. And so it was always, here's what they're saying. How does that compare to what I believe? What do I want to take? What do I want to leave? And what I've noticed is that very few people make that a conscious decision. So when they go, I'm being authentic, but can't explain 
why those behaviors or choices are what they're choosing, it's usually when they go, well, I'm just, I'm being brutally honest. Okay, why do you feel that way? It's always because they did X, Y, and Z. Not because this is what I believe to be true. Hmm. So authenticity requires self-reflection. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like work. <laughs> um, it is work. It is work. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That actually brings me on a jag where I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, that does sound like a lot of work to show up authentic. And I want to put myself out here as an example too. I show up in my workplace and have historically being very, what I'm going to put in air quotes as authentic with those around me. Here's what you can expect of me. Here's what you definitely cannot expect of me. I don't organize myself well. I'm not a spreadsheet gal. You can't expect me to do this. You don't want me to do that. And as I'm listening to you describe what work it takes to be genuinely authentic, I'm making a connection that maybe I'm just being a jerk <laughs> and making excuses for a lack of effort. Where do, where uh, actually, do I, I think you're managing expectations. Okay. I, I think you're managing expectations. My question would be like, let's just say, you know, cause I do that a lot. Like I am, I'm aware that my brain doesn't tend to notice details on the written page, the way that other people might notice it. I know the grammar rules and whatnot, but if I edit and I proofread, my brain doesn't seem to see it the way that others do or as quickly as, as some people do, especially people who are very analytical and so I manage expectations. Now, here's the thing is, in the beginning, I, I was, I don't think this was very authentic because I didn't know any, I just was like, I don't know, I don't do that well. And I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And then I spent some time thinking about like, well, how do I get better at this? And then I was trying my hardest to be better. And I wasn't really showing up authentic because I was apologizing for it. And the reality is, is I don't, I don't honestly think a lot of those details matter in the big picture, but I get that everybody else does. So I was trying to put this emphasis on it and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not writing a formula or programming code. I do value the creativity and the big picture idea in my world and what I do for a living more so than the detail. But I also have respect for the detailed people and what they do and what they bring to the table, but I don't think it's the end all be all. So that actually brings up uh, something that I want to make sure that we touch on too. And I, you really have started us in that conversation, uh, the way you're owning up to what your skill set is, and then also trying to match expectations of yourself with expectations that other team members or other clients or other stakeholders might have with you. How do you manage to show up authentically being true to what you know you're good at, what you have in your brain as the priority and the goal of what you're working on, and still adapt to the needs of those teammates, those stakeholders, or other people's conversation styles or communication styles? Um, you know, knowing whose needs need to be listened to and considered, you're never doing work by yourself. So one of the biggest issues here is in work, you got to get that it's actually the goal of the business has to matter the most, whatever business you're doing together. And then what needs do you have from there? Me acting like, like, well, details don't matter. So it shouldn't matter to you guys. 
that's not the way the world works. On the styles piece of it, I don't see adapting my style as changing myself authentic, you know, my, my authenticity and how I show up. If I'm, you know, I see matching my style as in learning another kind of person's language. And so I can speak Russian and still be authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they think like, oh, that's a Russian person. Like they know I'm, I, you know, that, that my, I'm English. But uh, if, if, or I'm American, um, <laughs> details. I'm a member um, of the royal family. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The royal family. I've also chosen to uh, take my own job and renounce the crown. Um, so <laughs> anyways, it's me learning their language and showing that I, I come in peace. To me, that's, that's just a sign of respect. That's not losing authenticity. I'm still sharing my truth. What I package it in to show that I come in peace doesn't change the nature of the message. So I might still be expressing my concern for people's feelings, even if I'll be able to package it as to, well, why does this matter from a business standpoint or financial standpoint? So, you know, I'll speak the, the, the money language, but I'm not hiding the fact that at the end of the day, what I care about is human experience. So I, I'm, I'm not changing my message, the intent of the message, but I get that why talk if the other person can't understand me or can't connect with it? So I adapt the style in which I deliver it, but the message is still authentically mine. So you're putting a different phone case on the iPhone 11, but you're not switching 100%. to a Google phone. Exactly. I'm still an iPhone. No one would question other, otherwise. Look at this. This is some product placement. We need to get <laughs> Apple on here. Here's our sponsorship. Right? That's right. iPhone 11. I'll take a freebie, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, now I've got a cheeky question. Hmm. How much authenticity is too much authenticity? Um, I, I to, to bring some context to this question, I have a coworker who I both admire professionally and just love on a personal level. And she gives me very constructive criticism on a regular basis about controlling my face. <laughs> <These> are... <laughs> when you are in that meeting, try really hard to control your face. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm being maybe a little too authentic in moments where I am having a a naturally visceral reaction to information that I'm going to need to take back and process, but I still have to be in the room and show up in a specific way when I'm getting information that I may not understand or like at this point or whatever that is. Are there any pointers for somebody who who needs some authenticity uh, tamp down? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're being too authentic. I, I think you, you've got the wrong goal mm. when you're in that meeting. And so if it, it goes back to what is, it goes back to kind of that experience um, and an explanation kind of thing. So, it, you know, what's your purpose? This is part of what I think helps people find out, you know, what their authenticity is, the why behind they do things. So if you show up and you're, you're kind of like showing your frustration at how irritated you are with the people in the meeting because they're not doing what you need them to do, I, I go back to, but what was your purpose in the first place? Was your purpose to kind of um, deal with people who absolutely are on the same page with you? Or are you trying to impact change? And if you're trying to impact change, then why are you surprised that you go into that meeting and they're not on the same page with you? Like you've lost sight of what your goal actually was and what your purpose was. And the story you're telling yourself is, oh my gosh, they're never going to get this. Oh, 
versus, oh, here's my first chance at influencing change that that aligns with my purpose. So that story that you're telling yourself, that's the thing that's setting you up. I don't think that's too much authenticity. If your goal was to put people in their place or alert them to the fact that they don't align with you, then you're doing great. But if your goal was, <laughs> you know, keep it going, keep it going. Um, but if your goal, I don't, I don't think it's like, oh, how do we keep that stifled so people don't realize how stupid you think they are? Um, <laughs> it's instead, well, what was your goal? I think you come back to and you clarify what's the goal and the story that I'm going to walk in the room with so that I can authentically sit and take them in. The big one that I have for people is people who are frustrated with their managers and they're like, oh, my manager doesn't do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you need to change the story. Your goal is to go in and have this manager work with you and be the, you know, Tuesdays with Maury, Tuesday mornings with Maury or whatever that, that book is and be enlightened by this wonderful mentor. And that's what was showing up. So instead, why not say, you know, I always say like, well, what if your manager was your client? And you're like, okay, my client, this is the challenge my clients posed to me today. And yeah, it's a tough client to work with. But then you don't go in there with this expectation of where's your mentorship. Instead, you go in there and like, hey, what's what's the thing I'm supposed to help you with? And you show up authentically ready to help versus stifling how irritated you are with their lack of management skills. So I don't I don't try to cover up what you're really feeling. I try to go, how do I help you find the purpose and the story that sets you up to show up as authentic as possible and achieve a goal that you feel good about? But if your goal, and that's where I go back to, I'm like, I'm not here to tell you what story to tell yourself or what goal to pick. But if your goal is to, you know, judge people and um, decide who's smart and who's stupid and let them know about it, then let's <laughs> keep going with whatever you're doing because it's probably working because you're not hiding your feelings. And that's a lot of energy to stifle that. Instead, what would set you up to authentically want to go in there and engage with them regardless of how they're showing up? Which ties all the way back to authenticity requiring self-reflection and checking in with yourself to make sure that your story that you've got your story on straight it's the it's the classic actor asking what is my motivation you have to keep exactly. checking back in oh i see what we're doing all right <laughs> You have such a knack for boiling this all down to understandable bite-sized pieces. I truly appreciate it. Well, good. Well, good. I think that sums it up beautifully in that showing up authentically allows for people to trust the way you're showing up uh, and allows you to trust your own vision for what you're trying to accomplish, too. It's, it's just trust building all around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we authentically want to hear from you. If you have a question or a story you want to share that has to do with authenticity or something else that we've talked about on a previous episode, or if you have an idea for something you want to hear us discuss, or if you want to tell us what you think of what we're talking about, uh, be authentic with us, tweet us at LMTP Consulting, message us on Instagram, Low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us uh, again this month. We love uh, we love these dialogues. I just love these dialogues uh, with Heather. Just... And then continue. <laughs> it's so much fun when we get to uh, continue with you, our listeners. So thanks for hanging in. We will talk to you next month. Have an authentic time. <laughs> I, I 
authentically adore you. I authentically <laughs> adore you too. Bye. Bye.